Hey everybody, Neil Blackman here, Florida Basketball Hour. Um, on this week's show, Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com, myself. We're going to break down uh, two nice home wins for the Gators. W over Ole Miss, and then the uh, program's first win over a top five opponent at home in 10 years. The uh, route of Auburn Saturday in a sold-out, loud Odom. A lot of fun, a lot of fun Saturday. Uh, hopefully this started something good, but I think three of the toughest basketball games the team will play all season are back-to-back-to-back here with uh, LSU, uh, number two Baylor coming into Gainesville. Uh, Could be number one, but probably number two behind Gonzaga. And then a Mississippi State team that's just been absolutely on fire. Um, So huge, huge set of three games after two uh, big ones. But that's that's life in, in big boy basketball. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. I'm with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Eric uh, comes to the United States, and Florida plays uh, two of its better basketball games of the season. They first beat Ole Miss. 71-55, and then they uh, really dominate Auburn uh, 69-47 Saturday. Eric, uh, we'll start with the Ole Miss game. Um, obviously, uh, great to have you in the building. And, and uh, Florida kind of did what it needed to do against a shorthanded team. Yeah, I, uh, I was a little bit surprised, of course, to see uh, to see Breen Tyree out, and uh, uh, – especially considering uh, the, the way he played in the next game, uh, maybe pretty happy that, uh, <laughs> that he wasn't playing against the Gators, but, uh, and Kadeem Sai or Kadeem C as a lot of people on the broadcast are calling him. So maybe we got to correct that. Uh, yeah. I mean, down those guys, uh, I wasn't really sure how, how Ole Miss was going to be able to score, but yeah, the Gators took care of them in the kind of, like you said, and just in the way that they should against the shorthanded team. So uh, um, I would say that was, uh, that was one of the, uh, that was an encouraging effort just to kind of take care of uh because I think that, you know, the way that the season has gone, there hasn't been a ton of confidence in, uh, in Florida just taking care of those games. So, uh, I, yeah, I think that that was, uh, that was something that, uh, yeah, left, left me pretty happy. A couple of the things that I thought were, were quite positive in that game. Was, I thought that um, just their ability to – the first thing Florida did I thought really well was, was – um, handle the blitzing of ball screens and and you know they were able to to really do a nice job of of handling the way that Ole Miss blitz the ball screens especially when Florida had those those pin downs and 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 so Florida was ready for that and uh Andrew and and Quez Glover did a nice job of of uh finding the open man yeah I think something that's been a really interesting kind of barometer of Florida's offense has been uh, not their three-point shooting, but their two-point shooting. And I think that uh, that was a game where, you know, Florida shoots three for 13 from the three-point line. So, uh, one, they don't take that many attempts. And, two, they don't hit a lot of them. That's 23% from three. Uh, but their offense still looks really good, and it was because they uh, uh, they kept getting points at the rim. And, you know, I think when you live at the rim and you get those high-value shots around around the cup, I think that's how you uh, – uh, that's you can really be a good offensive team. And I think that that's uh, – that's something that we've kind of seen over these last good offensive performances from the Gators is uh, uh, really what's what's a barometer of how well they're playing offensively is uh, is uh, looking at the two point line. 
Yeah, they overcome the the three of thirteen with forty four points in the paint. Um, and and the Gators have done a pretty good job against zone and a good job against teams that have tried to kind of run Florida off the three point line uh, of late. Um, but that's that was really encouraging, Eric, because Ole Miss is pretty good at at limiting three point attempts. Like it's part of their defensive design. Yeah, that was uh, something you look at. Uh, you look at their kind of numbers on Ken Palm, and you look at. Uh, some of their possessions, it's yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a focus of their offense and or sorry, their defense, and uh, that's something that a lot of teams are kind of going to nowadays. That there's such a premium put on the three point shot, and it was good to see that Florida wasn't uh, kind of determined to just take a lot of threes. They were saying like, hey, like it looks like we can get the ball at the rim, uh, and when they did, they they put up points efficiently. Did you think? I thought when Florida got bogged down on offense a little bit, it, it some of it came from when when Ole Miss iced the, the slot ball screens in particular. And I th- Florida was a little bit hesitant, a little slow moving the ball. Um, you know, any concern there? Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of concern. I mean, that's a style of defense that I don't think I've uh, – I don't know, Neil, maybe you remember seeing it earlier in the year, but I don't think Florida's seen a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, that's something that's a little bit that fairly difficult to uh, to simulate in practice. I mean, you can – you can do it, but it's always interesting. You know, you go against your scout team, you against your teammates, and then uh, it just looks a lot different when someone else does it. Uh, and uh, I, I think that there was just a little bit of an adjustment period. And hopefully, hey, the next team that goes and tries to ice ball screens or down ball screens, uh, Florida is going to be a little bit more comfortable. Uh, but I, I don't think there's a, a great cause for concern because there was times, uh, like there was times it definitely looked not great for the Gators, definitely looked uncomfortable. <laughs> but there was also times where they got that one quick ball uh Ball, like swung the ball once and then were able to to hit the roll man and again that's one of the ways that they got uh, got you know 44 points at the rim so uh yeah I, I would say i'm not too concerned the um you know really the story of the game probably though was florida's defense it, certainly uh blake kinson and kj buffett had some nice moments in the first half but but kind of did it on fiercely contested drives and, and Florida was just very active, uh, did a nice job of finding the basketball and communicating, I thought. Um, and then a tremendous job on Ole Miss the shooters, the, the Rebs shoot 18% from uh, the three point line. Yeah, that's uh, they, they have a couple guys who can knock it down and uh, they never really got loose. Uh, and I did think there's some really good moments protecting the rim. I mean, especially from, from Kerry Blackshear, who is someone that, uh, you know, that I've kind of challenged his his rim protection at times. Uh, and I actually felt bad for him because he had some moments where he got vertical uh, and really contested a shot well. There was a lot of contact and, like, just somehow Blake Hinson was able to, like, squeeze it in, like, rim, backboard, rim, backboard, rolls in. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, But there was, uh, you, when you see the just, like, the quality of the contest, I thought there were some really good moments from Blackshear. So I thought that that was uh, uh, some kind of an improvement that I saw from his game defensively. Uh, and I mean, Omar Payne too, uh, as well, but, uh, yeah, rim protection, uh, has not been, has not been great for the, Gator, the Gators this year. Um, hasn't been great for Blackshear, but I thought that, that was a really good, uh, really good game for rim protection wise. Yeah. Florida's, uh, scoring was really pretty balanced. I thought the, the six guys had eight or more. Um, and, and so that was kind of another thing that I, I noticed, but, but in particular, Florida got a really big game from uh, Keontae Johnson. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess we'll have to talk about your rule uh, for the next game. But in this one, it definitely was true where yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he was just, you know, flying around guys. And when he got the ball swung to him, 
he had some great moments passing the ball. He was someone who I especially thought was really good when, uh, uh, when Ole Miss did kind of ice a ball screen. Uh, the ball got reversed to him, and he'd be able to make that pass and, and hit the roll man. So I, I think that he is just a, a really impressive passer. Is I mean, something that you've talked about a lot. We talked about a lot on the podcast. Uh, but it was just, yeah, one of those games where he really just touched a lot of the areas of the game, had some really uh, uh, really impressive rebounds in traffic, uh, had a couple, a few steals made. I forget the exact number, but he came away with a bunch of uh, a bunch of steals that had yeah, Florida three. going the other way. And yeah, three steals. And then, uh, yeah, and I just, I mean, if he got the ball near the rim, he was going to finish it. So uh, just another, another really good game for him. Yeah, it really was. Um, and I thought, a pretty promising game from uh, Quez Glover too, given the the type of defense that Florida was was facing. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was really good, and I think that uh, those are the kind of opponents that Florida is going to have to try to, uh, yeah, get get more minutes for for a guy like Quez Glover. I mean, there's uh, the SEC's down from what it was last year, but uh, whenever you've got an opportunity against a, a game like Ole Miss at home to be able to get those guys in like before garbage time, like while the game is still. Uh, still going on just so that you can uh, you can really get that confidence up and uh, I feel like he is playing a little bit more confident with uh, with each game but uh, one thing that was really nice too is he had a he had one really nice assist when he hit the roll man and uh, uh, and I really appreciated that just because like I know you look at a guy who's you know 5'11 and you say like oh yeah there's a point guard but um, really watching him play this year and looking at his numbers like he he really doesn't profile a lot like a point guard right now like he's you know, whatever, whatever term you want to use, he's, he's playing a lot more like a combo guard or a ball guard right, or a scoring right. guard, whatever, whatever term um, you like. He, I, I don't think he's been uh, uh, always been great as a distributor or, or making the, the kind of right reads uh, passing the ball. But, uh, but I thought he had a couple uh, that very easily could have been assists, but then he had one really nice assist. And I think that that's uh that's something that, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a freshman, <laughs> he's a freshman point guard. I mean, that's, it could be the toughest position for a freshman to play. Uh, but yeah, he uh, definitely had one assist that I thought was uh, really nice and hopefully gets his, his confidence going. Yeah, no, it was a good game for the, for the Florida freshman, obviously uh, Omar Payne four or four from the field, eight points, a block, a couple of steals, just kind of find ways, finds ways to, to impact uh, winning, but, but also, you know, quality minutes from, from Trey Mann, who's I, I thought, showed a lot of uh, progress defensively in the Ole Miss game. He did, and uh, that's good to see from him because I feel like that's something that has been – it's kept him off the floor a little bit. But uh, I, I really think – I mean, w- when he can anticipate, he's got really quick feet. Um, he's not particularly strong, and I think that does get him in trouble a few times. Like like Devontae Shuler, just kind of a, you know, a veteran SEC guard, uh, he definitely had some moments where uh, – you know, Trey Mann was in a decent position defensively. Uh, yeah. They kind of met. There was contact. Um, Devontae Schuler didn't move, and Trey Mann did just because Trey Mann has a little bit of weight to put on. I mean, uh, especially when you see some of these physical SEC guards. But, I, I, you know, like, even though, you know, Trey Mann had some of those situations where he went to meet the ball, he was going to be physical at the point of attack. He got bumped off, and Devontae Schuler got a drive. I mean, uh, you can look at that and say, like, oh, you know, like, Trey Mann's got to make that play. But I was like, hey, you know what? He was in the right position. Uh, you know, a senior or junior, I should say, but a veteran SEC guard uh, with a, some more muscle mass accumulated was able to, uh, you know, outmuscle a freshman. But I think that he was in the right spot. So uh, those are the kind of things that you, you look for from a freshman. And uh, it, it's clear he's working on that. And it's clear he's trying. And he, uh, and he seems to be pretty, uh, you know, locked in on more possessions than not. So uh, there was definitely some good moments uh, in this one. Yeah, I mean, there really were, and and uh, 
it's just a nice win for Florida. You know, they again, Ole Miss kind of cut it, cut into the the Gator lead. Actually, to Ole Miss took a lead at one point, I think by a point or so in the first half, and then uh, Florida seized the game back pretty quickly. Took a big lead into halftime and and held on. And I thought, um, you know, that's what you want to see when you when you play as badly as as Florida did at Missouri, you hope to see a response like that. And, and the Gators uh, certainly took care of business against an Ole Miss team that I still think is is going to win its fair share of games. Yeah, I mean, like, once again, you go see how, uh, you know, the next game Ole Miss uh, has Bree and Tyree back in the lineup. I forget what Bree and Tyree ended with. Um, I think he had 34 the last yeah. time I saw him. So I, th- I think he might end with 36 or 38, but uh, which really shows that, I mean, like, uh, you, you take a guy like that out of their lineup and, and that was really, uh, you know, like I did think that they – I actually thought Ole Miss defended quite well. Florida's offense actually just had a really good showing, so Florida put up points. Uh, but really, I think Ole Miss's problem was that uh, uh, they couldn't score. And yeah. uh, you put Bree and Tyree in, and that is a very different team. So uh, I, I do think that they'll be uh, – yeah, I think they'll be a lot better in the SEC. And, I mean, you look at even their uh, – like they had that obviously baffling loss to, uh, to Texas A&M, which certainly sucks, but, I mean – uh, then they lose to Arkansas, they lose to Florida, and they lose to LSU. So, uh, not you know they're on four, but uh, there's the one baffling loss. Uh, the three others are, are pretty understandable. So yeah, I'm definitely uh, still uh, I definitely still think it's a pretty good basketball team. The um, you know, and I think that going into the Auburn game, the kind of question that I had really was, could Florida defend a high level offense like that for 40 minutes? Because partly because, you know, they did get a shorthanded Ole Miss. So it's kind of like, was that really Florida's defense making some progress or was that just, you know, a byproduct of playing Ole Miss without Tyree and 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 some of that? And and uh, I think we got a resounding answer in a in a sold-out Odom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seemed like everything was going right, but especially – you know, it's the, especially defensively. I mean, it was the best defensive effort of the season. Um, I'm not really sure off the top of my head what I would, would call number two even. I mean, it was just – this game was just so, so far and away uh, the best defensive outing. And I, and once again, I mean, you look at uh, you look at the guards of, of Auburn and they're – you know, they are very, very t- different than the, the guards of, of, of Ole Miss. So, uh, you know, you mentioning could they guard Auburn's best players for 40 minutes? Uh, the question was still definitely – uh, there to be seen, but you saw that Florida from the first possession of the game for the first, uh, you know, up until the TV timeout, uh, first eight minutes, and it was just like, wow, like I'm not actually sure if this Auburn team is going to be able to score on Florida, and ultimately, uh, no, they they really couldn't. I mean, uh, it was uh, a, a couple of those threes uh, in the second half from Samir Doughty uh, may, maybe saved a little bit of their offensive efficiency, but ultimately Auburn ends. Uh, at 0.75 points per possession, even though they even had some of those ridiculous shot-making sprees. And, uh, you know, if you're into Ken Palm, Florida just, like, broke Auburn's uh, uh, offensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Um, I think they entered the game in the 20s. I forget what the exact number was, but they're down to 42. Like, Florida just broke them. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, just just an overwhelming defensive effort from Florida. And one uh, that we've, you know, seen a few of those over the last few years, Uh, maybe a bunch of those, you could almost say. Uh, you haven't really seen one this season um, up until this game. Yeah, I mean, there were some of it at Pro- against Providence. Obviously, uh, Florida defended pretty well in Brooklyn, but even though Alpha Diallo shot 25 free throws or whatever it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, to hold Auburn to 
a team that you know came in collectively shooting in the 30s from from three point to hold them to 17 percent you know Florida's opponents were seven of 39 this week from behind the arc uh just tremendous three-point defense I was wondering did you do you feel like there was an adjustment that was made because you know Florida had been a little susceptible to the deep ball early in the season or or you know what did you see well I mean uh seeing this game through a very different lens um actually being there uh as some people uh, have correctly pointed out I, I may be florida's good luck charm uh, you know gators are five and oh in uh, the mike white era when uh, when me and my wife were in attendance so uh that it could be that who knows but uh but something i noticed live that i would have to really go back and, and watch but I, I really think that when florida got into rotation um, when Auburn got that initial drive and florida had to help and recover uh where you know that's where there's been some some issues is where uh they got that initial drive and 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 you know if, whether it's Noah Locke or even Kerry Blackshear just Florida would get in rotation and uh some of their guys just like couldn't quite recognize where the open shooters were or maybe it was Omar Payne or Kerry Blackshear who had to go from the weak <clears throat> side on one side of the floor to go close out to a shooter in the opposite corner well I mean that's tough for a big man so uh, but watching it against uh, against Auburn, I mean, uh, Auburn was getting those uh, kind of initial dribble drives or, or penetration off of uh, off of pick and roll. Uh, but Florida just looked excellent and extremely confident in rotation. Like uh, a, a guy would be helping over with just extreme confidence that uh, his man, if if the ball got to him, that the next player was going to rotate over, and a player would go and help. The ball would get swung, and he wouldn't turn around. This is something you see when Florida wasn't playing particularly well is like, let's say Keontae Johnson is in a help side position. Uh, someone drives, Keontae has to go into the paint and help. The ball gets moved. He would turn and have to turn his head 180 degrees one way and then 180 degrees the other way, try to locate who he has to rotate to, and then he'd go out there. Where it just seemed like uh, against Auburn, it was just like guys would help, and then they'd be able to like instantly locate who they had to uh, to switch on to. And uh, I just thought that they, were, they looked so confident in – in rotation and like that's something that you know you watch the best defensive teams in college basketball uh maybe not the pack line teams for like uh, uh like virginia but if you watch like texas tech these last couple of years like something that like really like is apparent to me is that they just look so comfortable in rotation like uh, yeah. they 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 rotate over to help and uh, they're just so confident that uh if the extra pass is made that someone else is going to recover and uh as soon as someone helps they don't just uh, look like they have no idea where to go. They know exactly where to go to. And um, for 40 minutes, uh, that's what it looked like against Auburn. Yeah, and it's really impressive to me that, like, I was surprised to go back and look at the box score and see it was only only eight turnovers for Auburn. So Florida really built this whole, you know, defensive performance. It ended up being the fourth lowest output in points in the Pearl era at Auburn. Only the fourth time that Auburn's been in the 40s under Pearl. Um and and they did it with stops. They did it by forcing tough shots, um, not so much by by turning Auburn's seniors over. Yeah, and even uh, I mean Auburn was offensive rebounding the ball and had some second chance opportunities that were uh, right next to the rim, and they were defending those too. So uh, yeah, I think that that is something that's really encouraging because I do think that sometimes you know like if a team team like Auburn that wants to play fast, play in transition, uh, they'll have a couple sloppy passes and. Uh, you know, the game will turn into, you know, them turning the ball over 12 or 13 or 14 times and it can make the defense look a lot better. But uh, I'm glad you pointed out that this was like truly getting stops. And, uh, you know, there was maybe like uh, two shots I can remember that were, you know, pretty open threes from Auburn in the second half when Florida was starting to pull away that 
that spilled out and it was kind of like that point where you're like, yeah, Auburn's not getting back in the game. Um, right. But I mean, other than that, I mean, it was, it was also Florida contesting shots. Like it was like someone would look at like, Oh, you know, there's Auburn going four for 23 from the three point line. They really shot the ball poorly. It's like, well, they did, but also Florida defended them really well. Like it wasn't like Auburn just couldn't hit a shot. It was like Auburn shooting a lot of contested shots. And so when you could shoot a lot of contested shots, uh, you're not going to make a lot of them and you're going to have these 17 point for the three point line performance. So, uh, I mean, every way you look at it, I just thought it was, uh, yeah, just an awesome defensive performance. Yeah, no sensational. Um, you know, they, and, and one that, you know, two halves, 40 minutes sustained, uh, defensive dominance in a game that because Florida was turning the ball over so much in the first half, uh, you know, it really felt like maybe the Gators had kind of squandered an opportunity and because Florida's defense stayed consistent, that just ended up not being the case. Yeah, I think it's something that uh, it's why you point to the fact that in the last couple of podcasts that Florida is going to need to defend a lot better. Uh, it's also kind of goes to the fact that even though Florida's offense wasn't great these last few years, that they're able to stay in games. I mean, uh, when you defend at a high level, you're just going to find a way to, to stay in games. And the fact that Florida is also rebounding the ball really well, um, that's another thing that really helps you out is if you play defense and rebound, like Florida stayed in some games these last couple of years, just, uh, by being able to play, uh, play defense, they didn't score the ball super well, uh, but then they didn't defend the ball super well, but they were able, able to stay in games. I mean, now that Florida is also rebounding really well and defending really well, I mean, that's going to keep you in some of these tough sec games. So, uh, that's another thing that uh, just the fact that, you know, we could talk about Omar Payne for a while. We could talk about Kerry Blackshear, 16 rebounds. Uh, but that's a pretty good front court against against Auburn yeah. when it comes to rebounding, and Florida dominated that matchup too. Yeah, Auburn with 29 team rebounds, Payne and Blackshear combined for 27. <laughs> so that that's a fun uh, a fun little statistical uh, nugget there. Omar with the ho hum seven offensive rebound performance. Um, we can talk. Let's talk Omar Payne before we bang our heads against the wall about the press break. Um, he goes 13 to 13 from the field this week. Um, nine and nine against Auburn, seven offensive rebounds, 11 rebounds total, uh, another block, uh, another interior pass assist just to prove that he can do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, what, what is it? What is it do you think about his progress? You know, what have you noticed? Um, and, and what does it mean for Florida? I think one thing that you mentioned after the game uh, Saturday um, was that you really think Florida's, at least their starting lineup, is kind of in cement now. Well, I do think that Auburn is, uh, like, you know, the second-best team Florida's played this year after after Butler. And uh, I think that they're, they've just kind of shown in their better competition that it's been the bigger lineups that have, that have worked for them. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's something for – for Omar Payne that I noticed is just like early in the season uh, when Florida's, you know, when Florida was still trying to do their dribble drive offense, um, I don't know if anyone was really particularly looking comfortable. Uh, then it goes into, the, they go into this more set reliant offense. Uh, that's where I didn't think that Payne looked particularly comfortable. And I mean, uh, you know, you talk about kind of changing your offensive philosophies at that point of the season, you're, you know, you're, you're freshman big men. Uh, they're going to be some of the ones who are probably put in the most uncomfortable positions, especially for him when he's, got to catch the ball at the elbow and, and make reads and make passes where, uh, but, but I mean, now uh, he looks so much more comfortable and, and something that I, I think is really interesting too, is that 
you look at some of the offensive rebounds he gets, and some of them are like he kind of knows in the offense uh, where the uh, where shots are going to be coming from. So he kind of like times his runs. Um, maybe a little bit of a soccer term for you, Neil. I don't know, but yeah, you, know, you yeah. see guys who get time. Yeah. Time is right where, like, you know, he's at he's at the elbow and he makes a pass and he waits for the ball to be swung and then he swims through his defender and seals him and then he kind of knows when that three ball's coming up and he can uh, uh, he's going to be ready for an offensive rebound. So uh, there has been some moments where I think that his kind of understanding of the offense has has given him uh, kind of a, an advantage here in offensive rebound situations, uh, other than the fact that he's just. Uh, you know, taller, longer, and can jump higher than most people that are trying to box them out. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I saw some pushback on on Twitter um, from some people that didn't really think that, you know, some of Payne's points ended up being schematic. But I think a lot of it had to do with the way that Auburn was defending Blackshear. I mean, you know, when they helped, um, they were pretty much left – trying to box out Omar one-on-one and, and that just uh, really gave him time to swim and get position and, and, and find baskets. Yeah. I mean, if you, uh, if teams are going to double uh, carry Blackshear on the inside, like uh, it's going to be tough for a guard to come out road. Cause uh, you, if you go double your second big over to Blackshear, which was what Auburn was doing, uh, then you're getting a wing or a guard to come down and try to have to box out Omar Payne. That's, uh, that's yeah. tough. And also if you get the ball into Blackshear quickly and he makes a really quick move, um, oftentimes uh, there's not an opportunity for that defender to come over and that third defender to come out and, and box out paint. So that's where he had those like really uncontested ones. So uh, I can understand why, you know, on the surface level, people will say like, Hey, that's not schematic. Cause that's just so more pain being an athlete. Um, yeah. I would say that. Yeah. I mean, if you put him on the opposite block, when you're looking to post up carry Blackshear, um, you're, you're kind of saying like, well, if you're going to double carry Blackshear, uh, you know, it's got to be the opposite big. It can't come from anywhere else. Uh, so you're putting Omar Payne in a position offensive rebound. And then uh, one other thing that I think Florida does is uh, is those plays where uh, Andrew Nemhart setting a ball screen or, or sorry, playing pick and roll with Kerry Blackshear setting the ball screen while Omar Payne is uh, trying to seal the guy under the hoop, his man under the hoop. Because yeah. there's times where, you know, Andrew Nemhart, which there's a few of those moments too where Andrew Nemhart got all the way to the rim. No one can help over because Omar Payne is sealing the big man that should be helping. Uh, but there's also moments where, uh, you know, there's one time where Andrew Nemhart got blocked, but uh, Omar Payne is right there because he already did his work to seal. And I would say that's another like schematic offensive rebound for Omar Payne, who, um, you know, when you run a play like that with Blackshear setting a screen for Nemhart and Omar Payne sealing the help side defender, uh, that also, you know, what the initial thing is to say, like, hey, yeah, that's. Uh, he, he's there if Andrew Nemar gets a gets a drive because now the help is sealed. But it's also, hey, if he drives and misses, Omar Payne is in a perfect position to rebound the ball. So I, I, I guess there's some people who probably think that every offensive rebound is like not a schematic play. Uh, but I think that Florida's putting Omar Payne in positions to, to be, uh, to you know, scheming him into offensive rebounds. Yeah, I mean, and, and they, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head uh, in a couple ways, but, you know, spacing and the way that you choose to space the floor is, is certainly something that's schematic. Like, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it doesn't just happen. You know, that's the bunch of guys standing around theory, um, which isn't what, what Florida does offensively. Um, so, you know, let's talk press break. Uh, obviously, a little concerning, I thought, the way that Florida kind of diagnosed and attacked it early in the game. I, I did think that they kind of made an adjustment later where, 
they started setting some screens. But it was an interesting press because it seemed like the point of the two two one was to disrupt the inbounds pass more than it was to like apply pressure getting the ball up the court. Yeah, I think that most I won't try to put a number on it, but I'll say like almost every press you see in, in college basketball these days is uh, not designed to really get a steal right off the the inbound. It's to trap. It's a, it's really a you know a full court trap you could call it instead of a full court press where uh, right. you kind of let the ball go inbounds uh, and then you go and trap that player or you're trying to force one more pass and you try to trap where Auburn was uh, they were trying to make the catch tough so they were they were selling out on let's try to make you unable to to get the ball inbounds and uh, I, I, once again that's something that's really really tough to simulate in practice. Um, especially like Auburn does it super well with two senior guards um, who've done it a lot. So that's pretty tough to, to simulate and prepare for. Uh, but I also think that, yeah, like Florida's gotten pressed this year a few, few times and it's uh, hasn't always gone great for them, but a lot of times it's been because they haven't been able to deal with traps. They haven't seen a team that was really going to go all out and trying to make the catch difficult. So uh, I think that Florida had these uh, a couple of their in the first half where they, you started with their two guards. They had, you know, Noah Locke and, and Andrew Nemhart. They'd start near the free throw line, and then they would split t- side to side. And against uh, a trapping, a trapping press, uh, most teams that's good enough to get the ball in because a team wants you to kind of get the ball in on one of those sides of the floor near the near the baselines, or sorry, near one of the sidelines, and then they can trap. Whereas Auburn's like, no, where you can split, and you're going to split right into um, our two defenders right at the top and uh now you can try to get the ball in and it's going to be really difficult so uh yeah def and i mean yeah you see the way that florida did turn the ball over a couple times they uh they didn't seem particularly comfortable with it yeah i mean how would you how would you prefer to attack that let's do coach's corner on that issue because i think you know traditionally when you when you are getting pressed you know you want to you want to set screens traditionally yeah, so something that I thought uh, that you see a lot of press breaks with and, and what I would have done is uh, – so Florida has those two players that start kind of right middle of the floor near the free-throw line, and then they split side to side. Um, right. Against the 2-2-1, two, two, uh, if you split like that, that means you're now – you know each player is, has now ran right into their defensive player. I would have made a secondary action for one of the, uh, the other two players on the floor where I would have screened to have him flash middle – like so, so Florida had both of their big men starting on the other side of center, and they really didn't just like didn't want them to come back on Florida's side of the court. They just wanted them spread out uh, to give lots of space for the guards. Um, I certainly understand why you'd want to do that, but uh, I, I think that you look for that split action, and if you don't get the ball in instantly, one of those players has to be sprinting back to the middle. Um, so that's something that I personally would have done. It was definitely not in Florida's uh, playbook or something that they were looking to do because. Uh, those two big men were definitely instructed to be on the other side of the floor and do not yeah. do not come back. Like, do not bring another defender into this um, uh, break. But I but I think like if you make that initial split and you can't get the pass in like right away, you're kind of done. You you don't really have any other actions you can do to try to get open. So I would have done you know player split. You can't get into one of them instantly. Carrie uh, Blackshear sets a screen for Omar Payne who comes sprinting back from the other side of the floor to the middle. And you try to get that ball right into the middle, and uh, in a two-two-one, that should be uh, should be vulnerable. Uh, I mean, you get the ball into that guy, and suddenly he's in a position to be trapped. But um, 
you know, being in the middle of the floor, that's a, that's a safe place you, you want to be against traps, even if it's, you know, Omar Payne get with the ball or uh, maybe ideally carry Blackshear. Maybe it should be, you know, probably Omar Payne setting the screen for Blackshear. But uh, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that the way that they addressed it in the second half when Auburn did press where they did some screens and they kind of brought, you know, that, that kind of wall of players uh, to set those initial screens and everybody – receiving the inbound passes a little back, like more towards the elbow, right? As opposed to like right where the inbound pass is happening um, or in the corners uh, where you, you would think you could get trapped. But again, that wasn't really what Auburn was doing. Um, so I thought that that was better. But, but I, you know, the way I kind of wanted to guide that, the conversation about the press was we spent a lot of time analyzing our staff's decisions you know, on our show. And I know that's certainly something the fan base does, but I thought it was very curious that, that Auburn abandoned it in the first segment of the second half because Florida really got in a rhythm then. Yeah. I was really shocked by it. I mean, you look at, you know, Florida starts the game pretty well. uh, And then Auburn kind of gets a score and is able to establish their press. Things don't go as well for Florida. uh, And then you fast forward to the second half and then, you know, Auburn takes the press off and Florida starts going on a run that Auburn just has no answer for it. Uh, There was a moment though, where uh, uh, there was like two straight possessions where there's touch fouls or hand check fouls called on Auburn. And I think that probably scared off, uh, you know, that probably scared off Bruce Pearl. But at the same time, I mean, Javon McCormick ended the game with one foul. Samir Doughty had zero fouls. Like I just like, the, the players that I think he, you maybe are scared of to pick up fouls, like weren't the ones getting the fouls. So I, I yeah, I, I'm just kind of surprised by it. I, I, it's not like they're a particular, like, I think they they have some nice pieces off the bench. So I don't think it was like a, a fatigue kind of depth decision. I, um, yeah, I, I guess it's honestly just some, some respect for, you know, as soon as white went to that, that kind of like four across yeah. uh, setting suite, which actually yeah. like, honestly, honestly, yeah it looked like it was a blob God moment, to be honest. Like it looked a lot like a baseline out of bounds, just like backwards on your own side of the floor to get the ball. Uh-huh. So, so I mean, the fact good that point. he, uh, you know, white dry, draws up such good baseline out of bounds plays, it makes sense that he would do something like that to, uh, uh, to get the ball in. So uh, yeah, it just seems like maybe it was like just respect where it was like, you know what, they've got this inbounds that we have not been able to stop. And Florida did it like four or five, six consecutive times. Uh, maybe, maybe Bruce was like, well, like now that they figured out that's just, no longer in the in the arsenal. Yeah, Kayvon Allen texted about the uh, Noah Lock hit a transition three early in the second half too, and he was wondering if if Noah scared them out of the press. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I I'm less likely to think that that's what happened. Um, but but you never know. Sometimes you can you can freak someone out if you get you know, a hot shooter down the floor quick and can make a bucket like that. Um, but but I'm not sure that that's what it was necessarily this time. But Florida did get in a really nice offensive rhythm early in the second half, which was great to see because they, you know, they really put the game to bed pretty quick. Yeah, uh, they did have some of those good moments in transition, which is going to make everyone happy. But uh, especially with like Noah Locke running to the corner, when, when Auburn does their 2-2-1, two, two, uh, that one defender can't really do much in guarding both sidelines. And uh, he would have been a lot wiser to, uh, to take away Noah Locke's sideline and make someone else shoot on the other side, but, uh, but he didn't. So that was uh, uh, good for Florida. And I also thought that, uh, you know, once again, just uh, 
Florida's pick and roll offense is just like very well established right now. And it's just, even though teams know it's coming, it's very difficult to guard. Uh, and I, Auburn's, you know, like Auburn's defense has been, has been good this year. Um, I think they are a really good defensive team. Uh, but again, it's just, it's really tough to, to guard Florida and pick and roll, especially now that they've kind of established that, uh, that kind of primary pick and roll with Omar Payne now sealing the help side defender. So you've got, uh, you've got the initial kind of pick and roll drive for Andrew Nemhard. You've got, uh, Kerry Blackshear is one of the best role players in the country. Uh, Nemhard's been shooting, shooting well off the dribble. Uh, if, if Nemhard gets all the way to the hoop and misses like Omar Payne's there, uh, it was just really tough for, uh, uh, it's just really tough for Auburn to guard. And uh, something else, I I think that Florida started to add a lot to their offensive arsenal. Um, the wedge ball screen is something we've talked about, you know, a lot of the podcasts. Uh, against Auburn, they ran, like, the wedge ball screen essentially, but it was, like, a more complex action uh, where just, like, there was, like, more movement before to, to set the screen for the screener, and it, it confused Auburn and, uh, and got for some good looks. And they also used the wedge ball screen that, like, transitioned into a little bit of their kind of like Princeton continuity. And I, I also think that Florida added a couple of things to their, uh, uh, to their arsenal for this one. And it, there's a few new things in the playbook and I don't think Auburn was prepared for it because they hadn't seen Florida do it on film and, uh, and Florida was able to execute. So uh, you could look at just it, for a couple of reasons why this is an encouraging game for, for the Gators offensively. But I think the fact that they did it with, uh, with a couple of new plays in the book also has got to, got to make the guys feel good. Yeah, especially against a you know, like you said, a pretty good defensive basketball team and and an old team. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, Okaru plays a lot, and man, is he good. But uh, you know, it's basically that they have like a five senior rotation, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of salty guys that have seen a lot of basketball games on that that Auburn um, bench. So you know, if you're confusing them, it's it's probably a pretty good sign that you're doing something that's, that's pretty complicated and, and good. Yeah. Especially to see like, uh, again, like there's some moments where Javon McCormick was like really getting up into Florida's ball handlers. Uh, but then he also got lost a few times in, in pick and roll coverage just right. because of, uh, because he was a little bit concerned with like, uh, Nemhart's ability to shoot off the dribble. And, uh, and again, like he's as a smaller guard when Nemhart was able to get him on his hip, uh, he was, uh, you know, he just wasn't able to reach around because Demhar was just so much longer. So, uh, and then you see that you know Austin Wiley, uh, someone who's uh, you know just a massive body, but uh, but then you see that like Omar Payne was more than comfortable uh, uh, sealing him and getting position, and uh, yeah. you know and Freely Macklemore, someone who's a, can be a really good rim protector, really good defender. Uh, I just thought he was uh, he was kind of stuck playing. Like there was times where he just like. Uh, was kind of stuck backpedaling where normally he's just like, you know, a lot more of an aggressive player, but he, uh, uh, again, Keontae Johnson starts attacking and he's backpedaling instantly. So uh, just, yeah, it, it just looked like a team of, of old players that really respected Florida. And I think that that, uh, that speaks, speaks volumes to where uh, Florida's at right now versus, you know, where they're at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And let's talk about that. Michael Pusatera asks, would love to hear you guys discuss the progression of the last few weeks. Other than that flat day in Missouri, they look like a different team. Um, and I, you know, I, I actually think that really since the Butler game, so that would be the Providence game forward, you know, that, yeah, that Florida's played pretty well. They had a bad half against Alabama, who I think we're all seeing now is, is certainly a vastly improved basketball team. Um, and they had, you know, just an absolute stinker at Missouri. 
um, which was compounded by the fact that Missouri made every shot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly Florida has, has been better, Eric. And, and some of it I do think it has to do with maturity. Uh, I think we've seen a pretty big jump from Andrew in the last month in particular, and obviously the emergence of Omar Payne. Yeah, I think that uh, you look at some of those some of those games that were a little bit rougher. I, I don't think Omar Payne was uh, a super impactful player, and uh, he just uh, part of that was uh, confidence for him. But I also think that uh, Florida has been able to scheme him into a position where where he's been effective. But uh, obviously, Florida's offense—I I do think Florida's offense has been at like a slow upward trajectory. Yeah, uh, and you're starting to see that they've put together. Uh, you know, you look at like, I don't know how much you want to count Long Beach State, um, but, you know, Alabama, they were able to score. South Carolina, they were able to score. Uh, even against Missouri, while they were running into the the buzzsaw that was their one hot shooting performance of the year, uh, <laughs> they had some good offensive moments. And then, you know, against Ole Miss. And Ob- so, I mean, you look at that and that's like, uh, well, that's like, let's let's not count Missouri. Uh, well, that's still five of their last six games where they've actually been really good offensively. Uh, against some good teams, even in yeah. the mix. So, so there is definitely, uh, there is definitely like a, I would say like it's just slow, but but sure, uh, upward trajectory offensively. Uh, but I mean, uh, we'll have to see if this is you know one game performance or you know what you like. It, it could be two games because again, Florida could have defended really well against Ole Miss, and uh, you know they just it, it's tough to say without Bree and Tyree like what it really was. But I did think Florida had some good moments defensively. Uh, so maybe you could count that as a really good effort, but obviously this Auburn defensive effort was was spectacular. So we'll see if uh, uh, you know we'll see against LSU, but uh, but I'll say like this slow offensive trajectory uh, ha- has been big. Uh, but Florida, you know, coming up definitely better defensively has been huge in these last two games. Yep, it really has. And now uh, you know it doesn't get any easier this week. We'll uh, we'll play LSU Tuesday night, the defending SEC champions. Um, strong ass start to conference play for LSU five and zero, and I think you know obviously these these two programs played three pretty epic games last year. So um, LSU a little bit different this season, uh, but but still a, an explosive basketball team uh, offensively, especially. Yeah, I mean, if we want to start with the differences between last year and, and this year, you've got to start with the uh, the college bass fishing rankings, uh, yeah, which I did. did look at. So, uh, uh, shockingly, a huge, a huge just fall off the face of the planet for for the LSU bass fishing team. Uh, they are not ranked in the top 100. Uh, wow! So that's just that just really hurts uh, for a team that uh, was unable to beat Florida in any sport uh, last year, other than. Uh, other than bass fishing, um, of course, a little bit of a different story this year with the football team. Um, but you know who has now vaulted themselves into the top ten of bass fishing, um, despite being uh, uh, despite being uh, not in the top 150 rankings last year, is the Auburn Tigers. So I wow. do believe that actually Auburn has taken now the title of team that can't beat Florida in any school other than bass fishing. So that is uh, <laughs> that's uh, that is your bass fishing update, but uh, uh, something we had to. Uh, had, had to check out today, but, uh, but yeah, a- a- LSU, uh, I mean, it's a team that uh, ha- has been able to score the ball really well. And I think part of it is that they, uh, uh, they do, they do have uh, the ability to uh, like some of those guys in the perimeter do shoot the ball uh, decently enough, but can really attack off the dribble. And then they've got just like all these athletic front court pieces that can, uh, uh, that can either like uh, 
uh, just jump over opposing front court players if they get post up opportunities or uh, can really run in transition and get buckets that way. Uh, but yeah, just a really athletic team that also I just feel like knows how to use their athletes. Yeah, like Ole Miss, they're terrific at the rim. Sixty seven percent of their uh, of their shots at the rim fall. That's twenty fifth best in the country. Um, they're also kind of a good mid range team, um, which. They take a lot of mid-range jumpers, which you know I'm not nuts about, but they make them at 44% clip. That's 10th in the country, Eric. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's pretty good. They're 17th in the NCAA in offensive field goal attempt rate. Uh, so that's that's a pretty a pretty good number. And then um, they're excellent at converting offensive rebounds when they get them. They don't get them at the clip that they got them at last year, where they just feasted on the offensive glass, but they still convert on uh, 7.4% of their second chance opportunities, which is in the top 25 nationally. So you you put all that up, and what you end up getting is a top five Kimpom offense. Um, they have multiple players in the top 150 in the country in offensive rating. Uh, Emmett Williams and Skylar Mays, kind of the straws that stir that drink. But, uh, you know, Javante Smart can go off any night uh so just a lot of different ways that they can attack you and like eric said uh very good straight line drive team because they can clean stuff up when when they have misses yeah well, once again i i think that so many people just uh, in modern basketball look at like there's such a premium on three-point shooting Te- people just look at like hey does the team shoot threes oh well they're good offensively and uh that's just really not the case i mean uh, just like I talked about how kind of a barometer for Florida's offense has been their, their two-point percentage and, and uh, how many points they can get at the rim. Uh, you look at LSU and they're three, 231st in the country in three-point percentage. So, you know, well below average, 31.8% as a team. Uh, but they're, a t- you know, fifth in offensive efficiency in Kempon, like you mentioned. So uh, they're able to just, like, get to the rim at will. And, and even though teams know they're not great shooting, uh, it's still just really tough to, to contain them. And, uh, you know, Will Wade, uh, there's lots you can say about Will Wade. Um, one, thing I will say, <laughs> one, thing, one thing I will say is I do think he is a very good offensive coach. I do think they, uh, they run really good, uh, uh, really good offensive system. Something we saw last year, uh, even though Florida was able to, you know, Florida really had their number, I, I, I still was just uh, – I came away thinking, like, man, like, you know – there's a, there's things I certainly do not like about Will Wade, but uh, you know his playbook I actually do uh, do really like. So Florida's going to have to be prepared to to guard a lot of actions. I think you look at a team that like LSU and that it's just full of athletes. Uh, I think a lot of times you look at a team like that and you say like, oh well, you know they're they're going to run and jump and uh, not play with a lot of structure, but actually they they run some really good actions and I, I, yeah. they kind of use the flex offense at times, which is you know when you get. Uh, you get one, you know, post player setting a cross screen for another post player, and that uh, that can be really tough to to guard, especially with uh, someone like Skylar Mays or Javante Smart, these like bigger guards who can pass well. Uh, it, it can be tough to defend. So, uh, yes, this is going to be a, a, a difficult prep for Florida, and it's also going to be it's going to be tough when you're thinking about, hey, how do we guard these actions? Where it, it's also got to be like, hey, this is a really physical LSU team, and uh, that's not fun to play either. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they, they've taken some curious losses. Um, you know, I, I, VCU is pretty good, but but they lost to them. Uh, they, they took a, a tough one to East Tennessee State, who's okay. 
Uh, USC, who's not very good, um, got him. Utah State got him. Florida fans know all about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely, you know, elite is a word we maybe throw around too much in basketball circles, but they, they really are elite offensively and, and, uh, they got a lot of different ways to beat you. If they have a bugaboo this year that they didn't really have last year, it, it's that they don't really have a traditional point guard. So they have been a little turnover prone and, and when they've lost, uh, it's been a product of turnovers and then a product of. With Nas Reed gone, they're just not quite as good on defense as they were last season with with Reed and Waters uh, departed. Yeah, it, I mean it's really actually shocking given the fact that they do have so much uh, so much length on their team and and so many athletes like how they haven't been able to be uh, very good defensively. Like uh, you think some guys like that could just like go out there and uh, you know play man defense and recover and block shots and, and get steals and, and be better. But, uh, but it's also one of the youngest teams in the country too. I mean, they're not as young as Florida, but a really young team uh, without a lot of experience. And I think that they, uh, uh, that is not translated to uh, to very good defense. And, you know, you look at a team like uh, uh, you look at LSU, they've got all the athletes that you'd want to have a good defense, but they're, uh, they're really young. They're, you know, 317th in experience. Uh, and they're not able to, uh, to defend. I think that people should look at Mike White and say, like, hey, you know, Florida's 344th in experience, and they defend really well. That's got to be, like, uh, <laughs> that's tough to do. So props to Mike White for, for getting his guys to defend much better than 128th, which uh, LSU is currently. Uh, but, yeah, just uh, once again, I feel like you, when, you get, when you get LSU into rotation and you make guys have to uh, make reads where they have to help from or uh, when they have to recover back to shooters, uh, that's where I kind of saw them uh, saw them struggle. Uh, against East Tennessee State in the game that they lost, I thought that they really struggled in transition defense, just kind of like figuring out who to locate and, and, and stopping the ball. And they, they weren't really able to do that. And it uh, let, let up a lot of open three-pointers or, or layups. But uh, yeah, I mean, you look at it, this team that's uh, 128th on Ken Palm and adjusted defensive efficiency. And you say like, you look at Florida's uh, defense, or sorry, Florida's offense, it's been a lot better. And you've got to say like, hey, it's like Florida should be able to score on this team. Yeah, I think they should. They got wiped out, you know, and, and teams that have been able to hang with them on the offensive glass have done okay. Utah State uh, about equaled them. We know Utah State is a pretty good offensive rebounding team. Uh, so, you know, I think I think that's that's part of it too. LSU does have good individual defenders uh, in, in Emmett Williams and obviously in, in Skylar Mays, who I think is the best player in the SEC. I know, hot take. Um, but <laughs> – but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They're just not as collectively strong. And one thing that, again, you know, we talked about how they turn the ball over more this season and then they don't produce as many turnovers. And some of that, I think, is just the active hands from from Waters and Reed, two guys that were in the top, you know, 15 in the league in steals and, and uh, not, not really happening this season for them. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. And uh, one thing else that's also been kind of interesting is like as much as they are like, you know, I've just mentioned many times that, I, that they're big and athletic. Uh, they're really big and athletic at like the one through four, but they're not actually that big and athletic at the five spot, which is you know somewhere where you usually see when you talk about a team is big. Usually you look at some physically imposing center. Uh, they've got, you know, a fantastic freshman and trend in Watford. Uh, but back, you know, after that, it's it's Darius Days, who's like six, six and two forty. So, I mean, he's built incredibly strong but he's not particularly long or or anything like that so uh, i think you look at the center spot as as a little bit of a 
defensive weakness for them at times. Like they've got, uh, again, some guys who are, you know, good players and, and, and strong, but I think you got to say like, Hey, if, if Darius days is out there having to guard Omar Payne, or if Darius days is having to uh, Darius days plays at the four a lot, uh, as well as Emmett Williams, who's also like a six, five, six, six, just like super, yeah. super strong, but not, not long. like, I mean, those guys trying to keep Omar Payne off the glass. I mean, Omar Payne's standing reach, like, legitimately is probably, like, probably, like, 10 inches more than Emma Williams. Probably more. It could be, an, it could be a foot. So, like, uh, for I, I think Florida's got to look at, again, like, scheming Omar Payne into some positions to get those, those second-chance opportunities. You know, Kerry Blackshear going one-on-one with Trent Watford, a freshman. I mean, I think you like that matchup. So, uh, it, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I didn't know how many times... I thought I'd be like, yeah, Omar Payne's got a really good matchup in the SEC this year as a freshman, but uh, <laughs> we're kind of at the, we're kind of at that point. Yeah, we all forgot he was the top fifty recruit, right? We got we got so stoked about two McDonald's All Americans, we, we forgot he was a top fifty recruit from Mount Um <laughs> I, I did, like I said, I, I gotta I gotta admit that when I gotta hold that L because I, I was someone who did not think that Omar Payne was uh, well, was I think it be a lot this year. So uh, yeah, no, I I won't uh, I won't try to backtrack on that one. I no, no. I well, I'm very happy to be wrong. I'm not either. I mean, in addition to the Auburn bass fishing stand podcast, <laughs> the Omar Payne stand podcast, and and uh, yeah, I mean the guy. <laughs> we definitely forgot like that he was a really highly coveted player. One thing LSU's done that's impressive, and it speaks to you know when you win a championship, sometimes this happens culturally. Um, they do find ways to win games, Eric. I mean, look at their their first five SEC games, and they've played four consecutive games that have been five points or less. They've won all of them, uh, so it's pretty impressive. Uh, and and you know, so they're not gonna be flustered if it's a close basketball game. We saw three close basketball games with them last year, so you know uh, you know what to expect on that front. And that's kind of what I expect Tuesday night is a. Uh, is a close basketball game between a strong ass LSU and, and Florida. Yeah, I think so. And, and once again, I mean, it does pain me to say this a little bit, but I, I do think Will Wade does some really good things. And I think at the end of these, <laughs> these close games, he's able to, to draw, to drop some really good stuff. And they're a really good after timeout team, um, which I know like, it seems like every, you know, broadcaster loves to say that about like every coach and every team. It's uh, well, not true, Pearl, but uh, take, Bruce Pearl doesn't take timeouts. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, what was that? He didn't take timeouts after. And hey, so Kermit Davis, uh, he calls three timeouts in the first half while Florida is dominating them. So that is a a man after my own heart. I love. That. <laughs> he's, he's trying to keep his team in the game. I really respected that. And then we go to like you know Florida just like goes on this big run against in the second half against Auburn and Bruce Pearl's just like too busy yelling and sweating to to call so I, I thought it was just very interesting to see like kermit davis is someone who's definitely like i'm going to use my I, like it doesn't matter like you know holding timeouts at the end of a 20 point game is, is no use i'm going to use them now and try to try to turn this around where auburn where you know bruce pearl's like you know like i don't you know i'm loud enough i don't need to call yeah. out for people, players to hear my voice or for the rest yeah. to hear me so yeah that was interesting but uh but yeah, I mean, I will Wade does. I think he draws up some really good stuff out of timeouts at the end of the game. And uh, so that'll be something that will be really interesting if this is a close game and it very well could be. So um, it, it could come down to that, uh, that last possession or two. And something that you mentioned as well about the fact that LSU doesn't have the true point guard is like, Hey, does that, 
does that bite them at the end uh, of yeah. a tight game, or does you know maybe that maybe it doesn't matter? Uh, uh, but this could very well be a, a possession or two, and uh, for that reason, I do think you've got to look at like, hey, what uh, what team and what what coach do what do what players do you like to uh, to to execute if it's you know tied with thirty seconds left or one team's up one and needs a stop or one team's down one and needs a score. Uh, uh, that'll be, that'll be the, the matchup, I think. Yep. I agree with that. So um, it might just be me on the, uh, the post LSU rap show. Eric's on vacation and we want to let him enjoy um, the rest of his trip. So. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get a Baylor preview going for you guys. And look, I think, this is the most difficult three-game stretch Florida has all year. Uh, LSU, Baylor, um, a Mississippi State team that is on fire right now, just running people out of gymnasiums. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I mean, let's let's see. We're going to see how good – I think we'll know a lot more about how good Florida is in nine days. I, I think so. I, I totally agree that it's the toughest stretch of the schedule. I. Uh, Florida has, you know, not really had a big home win like this in a long time against a team like Auburn where you just dominate them. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be all about how do they respond. And uh, you look uh, right after one of their best defensive efforts or, well, the best defensive effort of their season is like, hey, does that carry over? It's uh, things that, yeah, we're going to find out, uh, going to find out, like you said, this next week. All right, everybody. Um, thanks for uh, listening. Shout out to the people that, that uh, we're able to say hello and, and meet up with us, um, you know, over the, over the past week. And, and then remember to go to iTunes and hit us up with the uh, ratings and drop a heart on Spotify. All that stuff matters because uh, it, it just affects where we're placed and, and all that. So we appreciate it. Um, you know, wanted to make sure I was able to announce on the air with Eric that uh, we we're at 75,000 listens and, just a little over a year and a couple months. So um, <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, thank you all for, for that. And we really appreciate your passion for Florida basketball. Bye everybody. <laughs>